Thank you so much. How's it going, everyone? Good morning. Well, uh, my name is Chris Britton, and it's always a pleasure to get the opportunity to just break open God's Word. And uh, I'm excited um, because uh, it's week two of our exciting series, Topographical. All right, Topographical. And uh, in the sermon, I will reveal a, uh, you know, because when we come up with some of the names for these uh Greg or somebody will introduce some, like, we actually think about this stuff, y'all, can you? But we'll be like, what about this name? What about this name? What about this name? But I'll tell you, Pastor Jen, there was a name I didn't put out there, but I'm going to reveal it to you all. Uh, But I knew it wouldn't make the list. It's one of those things. Uh, But this series uh, is all about exploring uh, some of the fascinating places that are mentioned in the Bible, and we're going to uncover not just, uh, you know, where they're at and show you some maps just for the fun of it to take you back to a geography class, Uh, but we're going to dive into some of the stories in those locations, uh, some of the things that went down there, and uh, hopefully what will happen is that you'll discover how they still hold meaning for us today. Um, They're not just stories, but we can learn, Uh, because sometimes location does matter. Location um, uh, matters when you respond to some things. There's Uh, In my classroom, a lot of times, you know, I work at an alternative school with students, and uh, uh, a lot of students don't don't just wake up and say, I want to go to an alternative school one day. So in the classroom at the beginning of the school year, I'm like, yo, we don't have to front. Like, you're at this location for a reason, but I'm not going to beat your head over every single day. But does you, so I start off my semester, my semester sometimes, and I ask the question, does where you're at determine how you end up? And a lot of them say, no, no, it won't. And I'm like, so you understand going into this school year, because you're here, it doesn't determine how it has to be here for you. It doesn't mean that you have to fit all the stereotypes because you're at an alternative school. And I say, what do you, because you're at this location, what do people think of you? It's like, oh, we're stupid. We just fight. We do this, blah, blah, blah. Are some of the things true that have happened? They'd be like, well, yeah. But does that mean because you're at this location, it still has to continue that way? So location matters how we respond uh, to some things. It matters how we respond to some questions that we might be asked. If you're at a, uh, a birthday party with somebody and somebody asks you a specific question versus if you're just at home and someone asks you through a text, uh, a lot of times you might feel a little bit more comfortable um, answering with a text or not even responding to the text. <laughs> Amen? So location matters. Location and proximity matter. Uh, but one of the cool things about your pastoral staff here, I've never said that, but we've all had the opportunity individually to be at some of these biblical um, places. Um, uh, some of this through travel and some of it through uh, master's uh, degree programs. Uh, but we, as we talked about it, um, going into this series, we, we were just excited to be able to uh, pinpoint some of the places that we've been at and unpack some of those things uh, collectively with our church. So again, I mentioned this before, but we live in a day and age where uh, people don't just have to respond to one another face-to-face. Back in the day, you just had the op- option of a phone call if you, could get re- if you could reach them, if they were right there where the phone was connected and plugged into the wall, uh, into some of these old houses. Your kids might be like, what is that box on the ground for? What is that? 
Can I hook my Xbox to that thing? <laughs> but now we have the opportunity to have what some would say Twitter fingers. We can respond on social media to things. We can be like as crazy as we want to be sometimes, or we can just feel empowered because we're not face to face, <laughs> right? Uh, but because of that, there's some funny things that happen sometimes. Like uh, there's companies that get involved in some of this online bickering, like Burger King versus McDonald's at one time. Burger King tweeted, we flame grill our burgers. Can't beat that smoky taste. McDonald's response, our burgers speak for themselves. No flame grilling necessary. I don't know about that comeback, but that was their, their clapback. Uh, Tesla and Porsche. Tesla said electric cars are the future. Get on board. Porsche response, we've been going fast for decades, electrifying the present. Classy comeback. Um, some of y'all will appreciate this one. Taco Bell had some beef, no pun intended, with Chipotle. <laughs> Taco Bell was feeling feisty one day to start, this, to start it off. We've got the crunchiest tacos in town. You can't resist. Uh, Chipotle, we are all about fresh ingredients and real flavors. No compromises. Or I would have put no porta potties needed. You know, <laughs> we get our stuff. But I know some people are like, I really like Taco Bell. But in life, right, uh, sometimes we do not have that luxury to respond in that way. We might be faced with things that we have to face head on. And we don't have time to think of a clever tweet. We won't have time to think of like, ooh, and, and edit to our liking. You know, because now we can sit on it for a whole day and come back to it and be like, yeah, it's time to post it now. <laughs> but what happens in life when you have these circumstances that are difficult, that you have to make quick decisions, that you have to, and where you're at in proximity to the people and the people that are around you, Sometimes you want to, you feel like uh, who wants to be a millionaire when you're just like, can I make a phone call real quick? <laughs> you know, you want to tap into some lifelines, but what if you just have to make a decision that is big? Well, today we're going to focus on two places. And uh, anybody ever heard of a guy named David in the Bible? Yep, sweetie. Yep. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's my boy. But we're going to focus on uh, two places where David. He kind of had to make some quick decisions about what he was going to do. Um, and the first one is very familiar. The second one sometimes not so much familiar. But the first one, uh, there's tons of coloring books and messages about all this stuff. And all the, you know, facing your giants. <laughs> Plenty of things like that. That's the title of my message. No, it's not. I would never <laughs> do that. But David uh, was, a, was a, young, a, young, a young lad. And... Uh, as he was a young, budding leader, uh, he made a quick enemy uh, of King Saul. King Saul did not enjoy David. And uh, we're going to talk about what that led to in the showdown at a place called the En Gedi. Can y'all say En Gedi? En Gedi. It's just fun to say. You guys should. Uh, but uh, the first place uh, that we'll go to, we'll start the first slide, please. Boom, boom. We are here. But uh, so Israel, right at the tip of that red arrow, 
there's a lot of action that took place in that little small slice of pizza. <laughs> a lot of stuff that we read about, things of that nature, went down there. And um, that's where we'll find, uh, you know, David, um, young David, um, being obedient to his father. And uh, his brothers were at war uh, with King Saul. And there was some drama going down. And uh, David happened to be kind of just delivering his brothers some food. And he made a decision to get with the business that day. Meaning like he, he, he felt kind of frisky. He needed to get and engage the drama in a way where he was victorious. We'll go to the next slide, please. And uh, yeah, I know we got kids in the building, so we just put a sad face right there. But I was, I was there. I'm not holding what young David was holding. I just hold my bottle of water, which is very important when you're out there. But you can't really see it. But we, uh, on one of the first days when my cohort for the uh, master's program, we hiked up. That looks like I'm, this doesn't look like I'm tired at all. But I really was rejoicing that I had water left <laughs> for the way down. And it was our first day, uh, and we went on this hike. And when you're, when you're on one of these kind of excursions, you know, you're, you're trying to soak up everything that you can. And um, I call my professor at the time, I call him Indiana Jones, because he was so excited to show us everything, which was cool. But when you got to walk everywhere like that, your body's like, this ain't cool. <laughs> so you're itching to go to all of these places, but it's like, it's just around the corner. You know, if people say it's just around the corner, it's not really around the corner. It is around the corner, but it's not really around the corner. Uh, so uh, in the upper right, uh, you'll see that this, uh, this stream went through. And uh, the stream went through, and there was this valley there. Later on, actually, when we were up there, uh, they, they had discovered some ruins of a little place that David had built later on in his life when he was king that would have overlooked this battleground where he was victorious. You know, when you're a king, you could do some things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can I have a place where it's a reminder of the good things that had happened uh, in his life? Uh, so anyway, there's this valley that this big showdown had took place. And uh, we'll go to the next slide, please. And um, I actually took these photos. I didn't know what I was doing, and my camera was like overheating like crazy. So I just was trying to take some pictures. Uh, but where that big stone is, that actually, it was very dry there, but that was the stream that ran through where David would have been able to go down and take some of those rocks. I smuggled some rocks home too, but shh. But uh, as you hear the story sometimes, you hear about um, King Saul's army hiding. So I was looking, where would I hide if I was here? And I looked around, and I saw these bushes up there, <laughs> and I was like, I would be a hiding up there, <laughs> right? Or you, it's kind of like a, a bowl, if you will. So you could, you could definitely, uh, the, the pictures doesn't give the, the size of the shrubs and stuff, but you can see some foot trails up there where uh, it would have been uh, a group of people that would have been able to hide that way. So King David, I'm sorry, as Dave, young David was delivering some food to his brothers, he heard Goliath right there in that middle valley. And he did the whole famous David versus Goliath thing. David got the stones, and he did the thing and killed, you know, unlifed Goliath <laughs> and uh, took him out. Now, as a result of that, you would think that the king would be happy. 
king Saul was not. It says Saul has killed, uh, people made mixtapes about it. Well, there was a song that, that the people would sing, and people would say Saul has killed his thousands, and David, his ten thousands. It's a really catchy hook to this Bible verse. You can hear the song right now. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And the scriptures say in 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 8, this made Saul very angry. So Saul went straight to Twitter. <laughs> Actually, he didn't. He just hated him, and he let it be known. He really did let it be known. Um, we'll go to the next slide, please. And if you can look up there, you see, uh, and this isn't how I can say, like, I was really there just because my picture is on there, but I put, uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, you were there, huh? But uh, I am in the location where the battle would have taken place. And uh, like most of us, if there was a king after us with the whole army, what would you do? Y'all seen the new Flash movie? You know what Flash is? You get out of there? <laughs> So David had a, a, a nice little following right now, um, you know, comparatively, uh, King Saul and, you know, I don't know, David might have had more followers than King, King Saul at the time and stuff like that. He was getting more popular. Uh, but David had a, a group of people as well, and they retreated to this place called the En Gedi. Uh, if you go to the next slide, please. And it's worth noting, I, I, I know Pastor Jen mentioned it before, sometimes when we read these scriptures, we can go from one verse to the next verse, and it sounds so easy, like it's just around the corner, but uh, from being over there experiencing the heat and the terrain and the ruggedness, um, you have to be pretty disciplined, you have to be pretty self-conscious, uh, and you have to take care of yourself to get around to these places. So David retreated to the En Gedi, and if you can see that, um, the Whitewater Junction, that body of water right there, it's actually no Whitewater Junction, it's the Dead Sea. Why do they call it the Dead Sea? It's not even a joke. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> that can live in there. <laughs> You're like, why? What's that? It's so salty, and it hurts when you get in there, too. You know how salt heals wounds and so, you know, crazy stuff? So imagine like a deeper concentrated salt and you just have a paper cut and you're like, let me go into the Dead Sea. And you're like, ah! <laughs> so somebody joked when we got in there that was like, hey, man, it's going to hurt you, man. Any kind of open thing that you got? And I'm like, man, I don't got nothing. And I, yeah, you go in there and it, yeah, you find out. Your body's like here, 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 and then other places. But uh because of the salty concentration, it kind of just lifts you up. Somebody said, hey, man, just let it be a lazy boy, and it'll recline you. And I did it, and you're just like, this is so cool. But then when your head gets back, you automatically want to, and then it gets in your eye. That's a whole other sermon right there. So we had someone that, um, you know, there's always some people that just, for whatever reason, they don't want to listen to the locals. And they was trying to, like, kind of splashy swim, and they couldn't really swim. And they didn't really want to do the lazy boy recliner thing. And they tried to fight it and turn. And then their head went in to the thing. And some of the locals just backed away. Later on, I said, why you back away? They were like, because all that stuff was going to get in our face. We wasn't even going to be able to see and help her. So I went in, you know, because I grew up off Baywatch. And <laughs> <laughs> the Dead Sea edition. 
But the Dead Sea, uh, there was a, a person that wrote about that area and that region uh, in the En Gedi. And uh, this is what they had to say about it. There's a blogger named Wayne Stiles. He said, ancient travelers who made their way along the shores of the Dead Sea would no doubt shake their heads when they saw it, because most likely they'd ask, how could so much water stand in such a barren place and none of it be drinkable? Before the obliteration of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Jordan Valley looked like the Garden of the Lord, says Genesis 13.10. But afterwards, even the many springs that bubbled beside the Dead Sea tasted too salty to swallow. Uh, the plentiful waters gave nothing in the way of sustenance. They only offered a spiritual prompt of the need to take God seriously. And against this kind of depressing backdrop of death and desperation flows the En Gedi. The En Gedi is over there. And uh, in, in all honesty, like exaggeration fails to describe the relief if you're in that place, the relief that the En Gedi would have given to the weary traveler. And uh, even today, the Oasis offers uh, refreshment for the locals and tourists like, like us. I had a video to show, it, didn't, it wasn't happy with me. Uh, but um, you can go to the next slide, please. So a big question is, why did David go from a fearless warrior to becoming a professional hide-and-seek? He was trying not to be found. He was out of there. He was like, I did that thing, but now I'm out of here. Come find me. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's kind of funny because you hear about the heroics of David, but this kind of begs a question where we see David. And um, what if retreat? is stronger than your gut response. What if everything doesn't get handled in the way where you kill something and say, look? And what if David showed an alternative way to get to a place where he needed to be so he can be refreshed, figure things out before he tried to respond to this situation? And he actually let the situation come to him. But as uh, we were tourists, and you can go to the next slide, please. As tourists on this, um, this is a picture that I took because uh, the Engedi was not on our trip plan. And I want to be honest with you, and the video would have showed this. Kind of glad it didn't work. Anyway. It's very revealing because I was upset when I was taking the video. Uh, we had just spent time at the Dead Sea, and we just we was out there, and really the rule of thumb was we're going to get up very early, we'll go on our bus, and we had to be very just like when he, when he opens the bus doors, said, let's, let's go, let's get to the place, do what we got to do. And after like noon, you want to eat and go to and just chill for the rest of the time, and we'll talk about it, we'll write our, do our homework and stuff like that. But we didn't want to be out there at no 1 o'clock or 2 or 3. So it was about that time. And Indiana Jones, he said, oh, I know this isn't on there, but how many of you want to go to the En Gedi? And I was just like, man, my Bible knowledge was like, I don't even know where that's at, bro. Like, let's, let's keep going. <laughs> and there was people that were like, oh, the En Gedi, the En Gedi. And he called the audible. And he said, hey, hey. He was talking to the bus driver. And I, 
then I realize that we're pulling into the En Gedi. So he says, hey, if you guys don't want to go, it's probably it's around the corner. We're going to go see this waterfall. It's around the corner. Uh, it's about a 30-minute walk, just 30 minutes walks. So I'm not very good at math, but I was like, dang, 30 that way, and then 30 back. Then I know we're going to stay there and probably do a Bible study and prayer or something. And then if I do that, so I'm factoring like 30, 30, 30. Woo, hour and a half out there with me. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm staying on here. And I was trying to be like a leader to see if people would follow. People didn't follow Chris Britton that day. They followed Indiana Jones. <laughs> so I'm on the bus. Somebody said, hey, you coming, man? And I was like, all right, let me, let me go out here with my bad attitude. So I grabbed my camera, and uh, I'm in the back. And I'm just taking the pictures. So I'm taking the pictures because I'm kind of mad. And my group was way up there. They was just leaving me. And I'm like, they don't even care. I'm out here. Something could happen to me. I'm tired. And then my camera was like overheating. I never knew it even had that, the words on the screen like that. It just was hot. It was like going off. <laughs> so I was, I tucked it under my arm and I'm just like, then you, sometimes you go and you get to that point of no return where it's like, I don't know if, where I'm at. If I turn around, I don't even know if the bus is still there. So I got to catch these fools going up this thing. And every time we just kept going up. And I, was, I turned around the corner, they're going up, and I'm running out of water. When people say waterfall, you can go to the next slide, please. People say waterfall, uh, and it, it doesn't do no justice, but uh, just sometimes to look at these. But in this picture, I like it the most because it can kind of show you some of the depths of where we were going to a little bit as you look at the pictures. So our tour bus went in and that big circle was like, you know, they make some things touristy. They had a snack shop right down there. But then it says, like, you're kind of on your own when you start walking after this gate. And in there, we were all these little twists and turns until you end up in where that red circle is at. You go to the next slide, please. Now, in the video, you hear me saying, like, why do we keep passing these little waterfalls? Why? I thought... I was like, man, it seemed like he was going to take us swimming at first because I'm like, I could hear water. And every time I would turn the corner, I hear water, I'd be excited. But there'd be tourists and kids playing in there happy. And then I would look up and Indiana Jones is still walking <laughs> higher. And I'm like, what? So we keep going up and up and up. And so the, the picture on the top left is like, these little kids are having so much fun. And I just wanted to be like, hey, y'all, like, let me come down there and just hang out with y'all. But they kept going until... The, that, that picture right under the scripture, 1 Samuel 23, 29, says, David hid in the cave at the end, Getty, when running from Saul. So I'm going up. I finally catch up to one of the professors that was towards the back. He asked me if I was okay. I think I lied and said, yeah, I'm good. And, but this fresh mist was blowing. And I'm like, man, what's around this corner, man? And he was like, this is where we're trying to take you guys. And it was like a Disney movie when I turned the corner. I literally felt like the birds were singing to me. <laughs> they were, everything was so beautiful. There was birds flying in and out of the cave, and there was kids playing in this big mist that just filled this whole place. You were like in this refreshing place. And along the sides of it, under the waterfalls, you see little divots. And I was like, I'm not going in there, but <laughs> this is cool because I could see how David obviously would have tried to follow this water flow because that's the only thing that was giving life out there. Uh, 
And over and over, if you've seen the video, I've, I've said it too much, but at that location, it makes sense. I kept saying, like, oh, I need this living water, the living water. I understand why if Jesus said, I have this living water, water really meant something. It was, this, it was life. It gave life. My head was throbbing when I got up there, and um, there was a video that I put in there, and they have, you know, they have this waterfall. There's some, you know, and then they have this, uh, this, this chain. As I think it says, don't cross this line. I couldn't read it, though, <laughs> so I stepped over it, <laughs> and I, I went under the waterfall for just a moment. And I'm not making this up just for today, just because we in church or nothing. But after about 10 minutes, my headache went away. I felt totally refreshed. I was soaking wet and dry by the time I got back to the bus. <laughs> However, on the way down, I experienced this peace. Like, all this grumbling I did up here. And I felt like I was on this journey where David, you know, reached this place where he spent some time with God there. He was refreshed. So, when King Saul picked up the GPS and found out where he was and sent people, and we'll go to, uh, sorry about that. I'll read this uh, very quickly, but this is what happened. David gets into this situation that's it's kind of goofy, but check this out. So says, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of the En Gedi. Somebody dropped his location. Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel to go seek David. Saul, didn't, he didn't like them. <laughs> if somebody say 3,000 people for you, Chris, you're a bad man, 3,000? 3,000 <laughs> 3, people. It says, Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and uh, I skipped a, skip a little part. Well, King Saul goes into one of the caves. They ended up going up there, and I'm guessing. And when you go there and you look at all the vegetation, you look at all the green, you know there's a path of water. You're going to know. People are like, how did they know David was up there? David's going to be where the water's at. So they're figuring that David's not going to be out at the Dead Sea. <laughs> We're going to keep following this thing up until we find him. So funny thing that happens is King Saul uh, and his men, they go up there, and then King Saul... Needs a porta potty. He had Taco Bell or something. But King Saul goes into the cave that David and his boys were hiding at, and the Bible cutely says to relieve himself. And David's guys are like, yo, this is time, bro. Like, look at this. God just gave him to you right on the toilet. That's a good God. And David says he stealthily went and cut the corner of Saul's robe off. Go to the next slide, please. 
1 Samuel 24, Saul entered to the cave where David and his men were hiding, and David cut off part of Saul's robe while Saul relieved himself. That is a real scripture. That's a good memory verse for the kids. <laughs> he cuts off part of the robe. Why would he do that? And we see all of David's guys was probably stunned, but afterwards, uh, David's after David had struck him and he cut off his robe, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, lowercase L, I should point that out, um, the capital L, Lord's anointed, uh, to put my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up, that's funny, and left the cave. And went on his way. And afterwards, see, the story could have ended right here. And have been like, no, this is really, this is cool. Like, he could have done that. But David, he showed himself. He said, after my lord, the king, and Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you, bro. I said, I will not put my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you. Though you hunt my life with 3,000 dudes, may the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. David, I believe, because he chose to retreat, to be refreshed, to get his mind right, he realized, I could kill him. I don't have to kill him. I want to do it. God is calling me to do in this situation. Even when his boys was like, bro, like he's right there. Go ahead and take him out. And David didn't even listen to his guys. He's like, yeah, y'all right, but that's not what I'm supposed to do today. And not only that, right, we see in the story where David lifted up the head. In this case, David lifted up the Yeezys. No, I'm just playing. But he lifted up the garment. And to me, I was talking to somebody about it. I was like, that shows to me the same amount of strength. Kill Goliath. Just by lifting this. Because the power was in his hands to take someone's life in that situation as well. Um, next slide is just for the kids. You can try to make this at home with the Legos, do Bible study. The Brick Testament is really cool. Uh, I'm not going to go really long on that one. Okay, let's go to the next <laughs> slide there. <laughs> but as I, as I walk down, as I walk down, hey, we got the kids in here now, so we, we're trying to have some fun. Some of y'all can be like, I could tell you were a youth pastor. At the end of the day, I think that uh, we can learn a lot from this. Um, because there's sometimes we, we need to get to a place or location 
around people, uh, in the presence of God, that can help to recharge us, to help to motivate us, to help us to think deeper than that gut response uh, when we face adversities or other things in life that just kind of smack us right in the face. Because I don't know about you, but if you know that there's some people that are after you for something, your gut response is to get away and, you know, and everybody around is probably gonna agree with you. And like, yeah. And even in this case, David, I believe, gained a lot of his strength from retreating to this location, uh, the location that gave him time um, to be refreshed in this kind of o an oasis. In this verse, So you can go to the next slide, please. I believe it's the last slide. Is there any more slides? All right. But one thing that uh, as I walked down to go back to the bus and I just was kind of rejoicing, I was thinking about uh, when we have time in the location of God's goodness or in a place, wherever that is. I know some people... Um, set up places in their homes where they can relax, or some people might have to go to a certain place. I know somebody that used to live in very hard circumstances, and sometimes the only place that was their oasis was the bathroom. I know it sounds funny, and I'm not trying to actually be funny because that, you know, is a part of the story that happened with Saul relieving himself, but sometimes there was a, a, a person that told me sometimes there was things in the house that was so crazy. When I went to the bathroom, that was the only place nobody wanted to mess with me. They'd be like, oh, we're not going in there. And I would sometimes have to pretend like I'm doing something, but I'm not. I'm just getting peace. And when I leave the bathroom, I go back, and I could be in a better space. But that's what I believe the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, we see that with David in his life as he grew up to be an awesome leader. And David wasn't perfect. We didn't understand that, but neither are we. However, we do see David's fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those things that you can't go to Dollar General and just pick up. How do you get those? When I used to be, how do you get that? How do you get that? And there's no easy way, and that's when we do need the Spirit of God to bring that out within us so we can display that. And I'll close with these last thoughts. Let's consider areas in our lives where we can cultivate greater fruitfulness. Are there areas where we can bear more of the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? How can we, as individuals or even as our community, commit to nurturing um, these fruits within ourselves and sharing them with others? Uh, secondly, like David... How can we seek out our own life-giving oasis? What does that mean for you? Where can we find solace or where can we find renewal? Where can we find a place, a location, a space where we can connect with God in the midst of some of the hardships of life? Or how can you identify a place and make it a priority to retreat to them instead of offering that gut response sometimes that we do very often and lastly let's honestly assess where we are drawing our strength from right 
if I'm in that situation with David in the cave, I probably would have listened to my boys. Yeah, y'all right. It makes sense to me. Why am I just going to take some of his clothes? Like, I could just get rid of the whole problem right now. It's done. But where are you drawing your strength from? Are we relying on sources that may leave us empty or parched? Or are we continually drinking from the well that would be God's living water? And my prayer is that we can be reminded to draw our strength, our sustenance, and guidance from God, allowing his presence to flow through every aspect of our life. So, in conclusion, as we leave today, I pray that uh, we can strive for greater fruitfulness and intentionally seek life-giving oasis in our life, draw strength from God's living water, and find solace in the safe places that he provides. May our lives be a testament uh, to his transformative presence. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that um, you provide some of these stories that sometimes they seem goofy, uh, sometimes they seem um, just so far-fetched for us. But I pray that within some of the funny stuff today that we can find ourselves, Lord, um, wanting and desiring to draw closer to you. And may we leave this place, Lord, uh, just encouraged. Um, and searching and exploring for places that we can find a personal oasis to connect with you. In your name I pray. Amen.